We are in Champions League, man. That was my Dilly dindy dilly dong, come on. Caramessi, 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 I will love it if we beat them. Love it. This is the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast with Gary Kearney. Aguero! Hello. Welcome to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. My name is Gary Kearney. Joining me for this episode is Sarah Loden. So Sarah is the current assistant coach at the University of Florida, the Gators. Uh, she's also worked at Sam Houston State Houston Dash, South Texas Youth Soccer Association and played at McNeese State and originally from Newcastle, England. So I met Sarah in person at the convention this year and, and had a good chat with her about her pathway and the sacrifices she's making to work at Florida, how much she's enjoying Florida, working with Becky Burley, who's one of the legends of women's soccer coaching. Uh, and then she put a tweet out this week, which really got my attention. So I had planned to get her on the podcast at some stage. Then I was sitting and saw her tweet and thought, oh, I got to get her on very, very soon, as in, in the next 24 hours. She put a tweet out about sacrifices. And I always think that that's, that's something for me that grabs my attention more than coaches on Twitter having tactical discussions or arguing about things. doesn't really get me going, but once they... Once you put something about sacrifice and you ask for interpretations on things, uh, it, it, I, I could look at hours on what the responses are. So uh, Sarah's, Sarah did a really, really good job of facilitating a discussion and I wanted to get her on here. So here she is. I'll follow up about my interpretations of sacrifices after the podcast. But as you're about to find out, Sarah has a very, very powerful viewpoint of what sacrifice actually is and an inspiring message of what we should be doing as coaches and what we should be looking at. So you're going to really, really enjoy this. I hope you take it as a as a little reflection slash self-analysis exercise, which I did myself even during the conversation with her. So uh, please, please, please give us a shout out on Twitter. As always, a little, uh, little shout out to Sarah as well, what you think of it, what your thoughts are on the sacrifice subject, and, and we'll go from there. So here she is, and enjoy. Sarah. Thank you so much for joining me this morning for the Modern Soccer Coach podcast. Thanks for having us, Gary. So the reason why we're kind of the subject of sacrifice come in, you, you threw out a great tweet the other day that I'm going to read out here. Uh, you even put two red alerts on it. <laughs> coaches, what are you willing to give up to achieve the success you wish? Location, lifestyle, marriage, family, salary. Often what you give up of value is felt instantly while the benefit is far in the future. Naturally, most of us won't ever put, up, put themselves through this. Why? My question to you is, why, was that, why did that tweet come into your head? Um, just for me personally, um, obviously, I think in my career that I've given all those things up. Um, and I was just wondering, me and Ellis were having a good conversation um, and I was just wondering why other people would not do the same thing. Um, basically, that's all it was. It's just something that came up into my head. Um, obviously, being at the age of 28 now, I'm still wondering whether, you know, at some point you want to settle down, right? 
So I'm still wondering in my mind, like whenever, when that's going to be for me, I don't know. Um, but obviously just some other people, like they don't have the same mentality and it just, I just thought it would generate a lot of discussion mm. and it did. Uh, talk to me about your, your journey then and your sacrifice. Um, well, most recently you know, I gave up a division one job, uh, to come be a manager at the university of Florida and potentially, well, work with one of the best programs in the nation, in my opinion, the best coaching staff. And I, like I said, I, I give up all those things. Um, and it's been obviously the risk versus, versus reward is one of the biggest things I think people worry about, but every risk that I've taken in my career so far has been worth it. And so this risk in itself, obviously it's took a long time to adjust into a program like this, but honestly the rewards are they far outweigh any risk that I've ever done before so just for me personally like I know I'm kind of jumping around but it's just I just wish more people would do it you give up a full-time job and basically this was out because tell me tell me how was it did Becky approach you was it something that you looked at long term for this year was it something that you had your eye on and getting to the high level of division one or what was the inspiration behind the choice well, obviously, I had a I had a taste of the professional league for two and a half years, so that was obviously something that drove it on. But I'd always, honestly, I'd always wanted to work at Florida. Well, always wanted to play at Florida. I knew I wasn't good enough. Um, I was a massive Abby Wambach fan when I was a kid, and I tried to get recruited to Florida. wasn't good enough, and I just kept pestering them over the years. I just I used to send emails to them, just asking how I could be a better coach, how I could get into coaching, um, and eventually, like, I got to talk to Becky over the phone. And then from there, it just kind of progressed. And I've seen her at a couple of recruiting events. And I was just like, hey, like, you know, like, what do you think I need to do to be better? And, you know, she used to just always tell me that you've got to try and you've got to try and find a program where um, that you have the strengths that the head coach doesn't. Right. Because I think a lot of times people hire people that are similar to them, whereas you shouldn't. You should hire people that are different to you. Right. And so then I went on this, uh, I guess you would call it like a it was like a camp, I guess, called Fortuno Sports. And it was uh it was called ASIP. And so I went on that and I knew Becky was going to be there. I think I paid like $2,700 to do it out of my own pocket. So I went up to Denver, met Becky and uh, I just asked her, I was just, I don't know why it came out, but I just said, Hey, like, I want to work for you. How can I do it? And she was like, all right, let's see what we can do. And so it took like a year and a half from then, then on. So I kind of knew within like, I guess I knew within like the, the next nine months before I was going to Florida that I was going to be going. Um, and it was just trying to work out how it was going to be done in terms of, because I gave up like a big salary, well, not a big salary, but I gave up like a coaching salary plus a teaching stipend, which is quite substantial really. And then to go from that to nothing um, is obviously been kind of a, I don't want to say it's been a, it's, it's been a struggle, but it hasn't been something that's been impossible. Um, and then from there, you know, I just moved over here. So I'm actually living with a family in Gainesville. Um, and, you know, I, they're very nice. They let me live in their house and, I mean, you living with people you don't know, right? So that's just another thing that you have to you have to adjust to. So that's how I got here, in a nutshell. So you were intentional about basically one University of Florida and two Becky. Yeah, uh, I think that goes against the grain of how we're programmed to think with with regards to getting from A to B. Because you know, even if you look at the mentor, just coaches, mentors, and profession. If you look at say. Bobby Robson and Mourinho or Bobby Robson and Villas Boas, they think that, you know, we're automatically kind of drawn to think that, oh, he must like him or, you know, they must like each other. So that, that but you, you've actually sought Becky out. So that's, yeah, Lisa Cole sure. did the same thing to Tony DiCicco. Uh, yep. Did the exact same thing. And then you've, I think it's brilliant. You've targeted things that she's going to be at 
and then pestered her whenever she goes there. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. Um, uh, when you talk about those things then of, you know, strengths and not strengths, did that help you create self-awareness with what you were going to be as a coach? Or how did that process help you? Oh, no, definitely. And that's just something that um, I've tried when I've came into Florida. That's something that they've tried to instill in me is like, you know, say your opinion. Like, it's it's okay. Like, because obviously you've got, you've got three coaches here that are head coaches in their own right. And it's a different, it's a completely different dynamic to anything I've ever experienced. And it's probably a different dynamic to most, I would assume, most collegiate uh, programs, not just in soccer but in, in every other sport you know they've all got these amazing experiences so when you're in a coaching meeting with them every day and they, they're asking your opinion like they want to know it right because you you haven't been there for the last 15 to 23 years like they have and so they want somebody to come in and give a different opinion so I think just being confident in what I think and, and throwing it out there and knowing that sometimes it's going to get shot down and sometimes they're going to grab it and run so I've just tried to I've just tried to not take it personal, but at the same time, give as much opinion as I can because that's what they want from me. Mm. I think that's a big thing on staffs, isn't it? Diversity of thinking rather than... Because even with... I would imagine it would be... It's where Becky would have to be careful is because when you're a big... When you've had success and you're a big name, it would be easy for staff to almost, even subconsciously, draw themselves towards agreeing with you all the time. Right, Um, exactly. How does she facilitate the disagreements then? Is it just constantly, hey just tell what you think yeah I mean it, it she does she asks everybody what they think and that goes from the volunteer coach the program coordinator to everybody like she wants to know what everybody thinks and I think the, the great thing about Becky is like she will take everybody's opinion on board and then she's able to take everybody's opinion and then come up with something that she believes is the best decision and it might include some of those aspects um and so it, she doesn't always go with her own opinion. Sometimes she will listen to somebody else and think it's a better way to do it. And a lot of times, like we have these coaching meetings and we're in there for an hour and a half, two hours sometimes, and we don't even come up with a solution to what we're what we're trying to go to. And it's not till like the next day or later on that afternoon that somebody has a better idea and we talk about it again. So um, mm-hmm. she's just she's not really she's not really in terms of like when you think of groupthink and she's not really that type of person that's going to get everybody on board of her decision and that's what we're going to go with. Like she wants to sit and discuss about it and we can we talk about it for hours at times. So uh, honestly, that's one of the what's one of the things that I've I guess I've learned the most about is just being in those coaching meetings and listening to everybody's opinions because everybody has a different opinion. There's, there's sometimes there's five or six of us in a room and nobody has the same opinion. And I think that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. I'd be curious to see how much of that is done formally and informally because I found at Cincinnati, it was I worked at a, at a staff in Cincinnati that was pretty much, there was a lot of meeting. He loves a meeting, but he also he uses the meeting to facilitate ideas. Mm-hmm. You find out that the meeting started four hours ago. And now you're sitting at lunch somewhere and the meeting's still right. going. So it's kind of, right. it brings, these people are very good at, at changing formal to informal, which kind of then draws out more comfortability. Um, right. How much of that is done? How does Becky do that? Does she do it? Yeah, I mean, every, we, we all know when we're going to be in the meetings. And to be honest, like everybody, there's no, it's, I mean, I don't want to, there's nothing really formal. Everything's informal. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, they've been together so long that, I mean, there's not, there's, I mean, we even have guest coaches come in sometimes, but nothing is, nothing's formal at all. Everybody just says what they think. And I think that's another thing that's really good is like, you know, like even if they don't believe in what you're saying, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to make you feel stupid or, you know, say that's a bad, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. it's, not- it's not as easy as just a coach saying, um, hey, you know, I'm open to new ideas when really they're not. So I suppose it's almost like the coach player relationship where you have to build the trust. 
So exactly. Yeah, that trust is done through. So that's where they're, uh, where these people are are genius communicators in my in my opinion. Yeah, I think you. I think at times, like for example, like the three of them that have been there together forever, Vic Allen and Becky. Like I think they they could obviously be more more honest with each other just because they've been together so long. Um, maybe someone like me or the or John who's our volunteer. Like maybe we don't really say what we might think all the time, but there's a lot of times where. I'll go up to Becky at the end of the meeting because I might not think it's appropriate to say it in front of everybody and just kind of say, "Hey, this is what I think," and you know, she might come back and say, "Well, I don't, I don't agree with that," and that's fine. Like, but I don't, I might not feel as confident just to say it in front of everybody. But I think these people, these guys that have been together for that long, like, there's no, there's no formality. It's just very informal. Like, it's just a chat, you know. And they all have, like I said, like they all have different opinions all the time, and um sometimes Becky will completely go 360 on what she thinks and go with somebody else because she thinks it's a better idea. Mm. The importance of creating a staff then with, again, that that diversity, thinking that way and being able to, to get out, bounce ideas off each other, agree, disagree, all that good stuff. I, I would assume that that's given you an appreciation of, of how to develop a staff and what how you would develop a staff. Oh, definitely. Um, I think for me personally, like not that I want to, not that I want to model everything Florida's done, but I definitely think a lot of the things that go on here is things that I want to instill in my program. And I'm even thinking now, just as a 28-year-old, as a, if I want to go on to be a head coach, I don't know, maybe five years ago I said I would have been. Um, now I'm not so sure like that's going to be the, the right step going forward straight away out of Florida. But I'm thinking in my mind, like what kind of staff do I want to work for? Or you know, who can I bring in that's going to be completely different to me, but at the same time going to bring something different? Because I think my strengths are going to be completely different to somebody else's strengths, um, just from the experiences, obviously, that I've had over the last 10 years in, in my collegiate to coaching experience. So describe that coach that is completely different from you. Well, I'm from Newcastle, so that's completely different. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I was weird around the game of football. I say this all the time, but, you know, Bobby Robson's obviously somebody that I've was I looked up to as a kid I think just being a female that's been dragged up around the game uh is obviously very different especially in this culture where we live uh I watch the game um and I just think that my way of thinking I'm a little bit I'm honest and I'm I don't know I'm like I'm very I feel like I'm honest at the same time but I feel like I might not be I don't think my coaching experiences like I don't think I have a lot of coaching experience yet on the field. So I feel like that's something that I'm going to have to work at and bring somebody in that is if I was a head coach. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Would you go for more? So let's put it in categories. Would you go for more of a people person? Would you go for more of a science person, tactical person, training person or an organizer? Uh, I'm an organizer, so I don't need that. You don't need another one of them. don't need another organizer. I'm way too organized, almost to the point where people take the mick out of us. Uh I think I probably need somebody that has different a different tactical approach. Um, and I also think the training methods, I mean, I th- obviously I have a background in exercise science and I'm like certified as a strength condition coach. So, like the periodization stuff, I'm not really worried about. Mm. Um, but I think, you know, having somebody else that's a, a people person is important. I'm a people person, but I feel like if you're a head coach or an assistant coach, it's, very, it's a very different dynamic, right, to how you're going to relate with your athletes. Because if you're a head coach, um, the the dynamic is going to be completely different as if you're an assistant coach and a younger assistant coach is going to have a better relationship with the players. So I think you've got to find somebody on your staff, um, especially an assistant that can relate to the players. Um, and it's probably, I don't want to say it's similar in age, but there's not so much of an age gap between 
um, for getting out of playing and, and playing. Because I think that's something of Florida that obviously we have, because we have John, we have me, we have Shelley. Um, but the three, obviously, head co- uh, the three coaches at Florida are obviously a lot older and been out of the game far longer. Mm-hmm. Going back to sacrifice, people think that it's just about with your your own journey, you know, moving, giving up family, finances, etc. People think that when you go to, you've chosen something to go to a higher level, that your life is literally sunshine, palm trees. You go every day and it's the best thing in the world. But I would imagine that the standards that Becky set at Florida would would challenge you every day as well. Oh, definitely. I mean, you, you're out of your comfort zone. I mean, I came in August and that's in the middle of preseason. It was probably the most, it's the busiest time, right? You know. And so it took me a long time to get adjusted. And I'm telling you, like, I just now start to feel, I don't want to say comfortable because I'm not comfortable, but mm-hmm. I'm just starting to feel like I know what my role is and I know where I fit in. And it's took that long. I mean, the fall was a whirlwind. Um, I'll be honest, I even, I, I don't mind saying this, at Christmas, I was just ready to go home because um, it's just such a long year mm. and the travel like I wasn't used to the season being from August to pretty much December I was used to having August and being done at the end of October right um just at the previous places that I was at so it was just it, it was a gr- it was it was great experience but it was by no means easy um there was just little things that I was living you know I, when I moved to Florida I had absolutely nothing I sold everything I owned because I didn't want to have to rent another U-Haul because I paid I had moved in the last like two times in the last five years so I was paying like ridiculous amounts to move so I just got rid of everything um, and then another thing when I got here like I didn't have health insurance um, and I couldn't get it through the university because I was an online student so I had to get on Obamacare and pay like 350 a month well 350 a month at that time in the fall was like I mean I wasn't even living on that so just to try and like, having to pay that for something that you're not going to probably use but you might need um, was just crazy for me um, just little things like that but it's took us forever to get adjusted I feel like and I feel like a lot of people like quit when things are hard and there was a lot of times in my mind where I was like have I done the right thing but I knew I had done the right thing um but there was those times just where it was really rough and it wasn't in terms of like anything to do with the program it was just moving I mean I'm coming home every night to nothing I mean I come home and you know there's just me here with a computer and I, I do schoolwork till 1am you know and then I wake up again for practice and it was just that was one of the hardest parts for me was coming home to nothing and I'm such a I'm such a high, uh, I don't know, I like to be around people all the time. So that was hard for me. So going back to the tweet then, let's talk about the responses for coaches. I mean, what, what was the general the general viewpoint? Did, was there some things leaving you shaking your head with responses? There was one person that said something about how there's more important things in life, which is fine, and I, I totally agree with that. Um, might not be somebody that I could probably relate to very well. Um, somebody else said about the instant gratification which I can totally relate with because there's no instant gratification in terms of giving something up very short term right in the long term it's going to pay off Um, other people said things like they couldn't they had kids which I could see that Um, having kids obviously changes the dynamic completely I don't think I have any kids (laughs) (laughs) not that I know of Um, so yeah so there was just there was a lot of great feedback and a lot of great discussion. A lot of people said that they would give up salary first, which I don't I don't really like it's easier said than done just to give up a salary. I feel like people don't really understand the full I mean you especially if you've had like a decent paying job just to go from that to nothing. But you've got to be creative when you do things like that. Like for example, like it's not all I don't just work with Florida and come home at night every night and that's it. Like I work with a club team um, and I'm also a teaching assistant, so I'm coming home and I've got 40 papers to grade every couple of weeks, which is mm-hmm. not easy. 
on that financial end, I, I, I'm a big believer that coaches in the US have had it 20 years ago, had it far too easy. They would, they would make a camp. They would put a camp flyer out and 400 kids would come every week in the camp. They'd make 40 grand in the summer and that would set them the whole year. Now, um, probably correctly, the camps aren't, the business isn't there anymore for the camps. So now people are, are scratching their head. So the way to make fun, but there's still a demand for coaches. Everyone needs coaches. You just have to go out and be a little bit creative with your services. Um, Definitely. Again, it's the it's the coaches that are sitting at home waiting for the phone to ring and thinking that other people have it easy that I would imagine would uh, would wind you up. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, the, nothing's easy if you if you look at all the successful people that they that are in coaching, right? I mean, everybody's had to give something up, mm. and nobody's got to the top and sits there comfortably. I mean, you look at someone like Gino Oriema at UConn, right? I mean, he has not, I'm sure like a lot of things that he's had to give up throughout his career. And people think that because he's sitting at the top that things are easy for him. But you know, for a fact that there's a lot that goes on behind closed doors that, and I learned that when I was, I was working in the end of cell, like, you know, it's not, it's not all plain sailing and easy. Like these people have give a lot up to be where they are. Let's talk risk reward. You you mentioned that there in your opening statement about you think that some play, some coaches don't really get risk reward. Do you think it's the risk part where coaches are really risk averse? Not only not only with trying things and being creative, but also you know with their with their choices. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously risk is a hard thing because you don't know what's going to happen, right? But I think that's part of the beauty of it is that. You, like you like I'm, I'm a type of person that embraces change and I think a lot of people probably are very opposed to that they might think they are but people really don't like change when you think about it mm-hmm. um but I think as well like you said like you've got to be creative and part of part of the for me like part of the reason why I take risks is because they always pay off I've never really had a risk that hasn't yet um and everything always works out in the end uh, but I think yeah I think a lot of people they're just, I, I don't know, maybe it's like a fear of failure that they don't want to take that risk. And, you know, rerouting and packing up your stuff is not easy. But for someone like who's international and has done that all their life, it's mm. very, you can relate to that. Like, you know, we, I mean, for you and for me, like I left my family at 18. I don't know about when you left, but, you know, there's there's always something, there's always something that you're, like if you, for me, it's like if you're gonna leave your family five thousand miles away, like it's not good enough to be average. Um, that's the way out. That's the way I am. And obviously, I have family in Louisiana, but for me, it's not, it's not good enough, and it's not good enough to be mediocre. Like it wouldn't be good enough for them. And I just feel like for me, like there's always something missing where I am. So like now I'm in Florida, but my family in Louisiana, I miss them, and I also miss my family back in Newcastle. But when I'm in Newcastle, all I can think about is my career in my family in Louisiana. But when I'm in Louisiana, all I think about is my career in Newcastle. So there's always my like, there's always something missing for me. It's never all put together, and that's something that I am looking forward to. But like I was saying earlier, like you got to invest in yourself and invest in your career. And why you're young is the best way to do it. So I think that tweet um, was good for young coaches because when you're young and you're 19 and 20 and 21, 22, and you're getting out of college and playing, like that's the best time to start investing in yourself and taking all the risks. Because if you look at a lot of the tweets, a lot of people were saying that, um, and I'm assuming they're a lot older, but they're saying that they have kids and they have, you know, other ties that make them cut that don't allow them to move and take the risk. Mm. It's funny when I was going through, a little bit of transition a few months ago and I was I was you know, moving on from Bakersfield 
I spoke to a coach and he was saying, you know, well, what's up next? And I was saying that, you know, I was telling telling him that where the level that I wanted to work at. Um, and he was like, well, keep me in mind, um, you know, if something comes up. And I thought, like, this guy's no interest in, in moving on and doing something. So I thought, I'll have a bit of fun with it. So I'm like, oh, yeah, you, you're looking at moving. You're looking at, uh, you know, leaving and moving on. And he says, well... He said, if, if the position was right and suited me, if it was, you know, if it was within a location for my family and then mm-hmm. if it was if it was financially rewarding, then, yeah, I'd definitely be up for it. And I thought, you cheeky. That's just like, <laughs> you'd just be like, can you get me something that doesn't involve me moving at a high level and gets me the same or more money and I'll take it? And I thought, that's the whole point of risk. Yeah, yeah exactly. But uh, do you, well, the one thing that interests me is, do you think that so was it like I don't think there would be any I don't think it would be it would be an announcement of the week if we said that coaches um, and risk aren't really in the same sentence like we we don't do enough of it as a coaching community so is it because coaches have a fear of risk or is it because they do think that they're risking things but they're actually not so it's context and I think it could be yeah I think it could be context and which one's worse. I think the latter probably the context of it because mm. um, I, I can relate to the fear like if you've never made that move like I can understand why you would be you know why you would be fearful of that but yeah I mean unless you do it you're never gonna know right and I just think like how can you be that age like how can you get older as a coach and I mean I would just look back and regret everything that I hadn't taken you know like a lot of people always say oh, I had two I've had two or three jobs and I haven't been able to take them blah, blah 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 well I mean I'm in my mind I'm thinking I would regret that for the rest of my life I don't know about you but mm. but yeah like I said I think the latter like a lot of people as well like they'll message me and say if they're from different countries and say how can I get to the US and it's like they think it's that easy like it's so hard to get here mm. I mean I'm, I've been here 10 years and I'm still trying to grind and get where I want to be um, and like you said, it's not all rainbows. Yeah, yeah. It's it's again. I find it I find it interesting where I, I get a few emails a week, and I don't mind. You know, people like, hey, can I get advice on doing this and doing that? But it's you know, I feel as if I give up. I give up four hours a day when I was sixteen to eighteen sending emails that you know half of them got bounced back, and now that 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 sacrifice almost changes. Where maybe when I was younger it was time, and maybe as I get older it's now. Um, it's time with people that you love. Um, yeah. But I wonder whether it's just society as well. That are we then programmed to think that, you know, our parents, our parents view sacrifices as risk, as risk, as financial risk, as you know, it's it's a bad thing because you want to, you know, you want to get an education that gets you a job, that gets you a house, that gets you a family, that that you live happily ever after. So is society changing now for people? that risk is becoming not a cool thing, but something that you should be doing in your life? I think in the, yeah, I mean, I think in the coaching profession for sure, because think about it, like back in the, I don't know, back like 20 years ago, like women's programs were starting or men's programs were starting up, right? And now it's more competitive. So you've got to do something different and make yourself stand out, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, differentiate yourself. No, for sure. And I, and one thing as well, like I want to mention is when coaches get to the top, like and I know you briefly touched on this, like there's still sacrifices, if that's what you want to call it. There's still sacrifices that go on. Like Becky is probably 
the hardest working, well, I haven't worked with many head coaches, but she's probably the hardest working head coach that I've ever met. I mean, she comes in the office at 6.45 every day and she's not leaving until 6.30 that night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, a sac- like, for me, like, she sacrifices other things in order to be, what she, like, in order to be great. Like, she's been there 23 years and she's still working 10, 11 hour days, 12 hour days. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've never been around that. And that's something that, you know, like she, she, she always says to me, like a 10, 11 hour day, like that's nothing for what I do. And I totally, like, I can totally see that. Like that's her mentality and she's done it for 23 years. And that's why she is where she is. Now I've worked with coaches in the past that come in for three, four hours a day and they wonder why they're, they're not winning. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just little things like that. Like in all, once you, you get to that level, like I've just learned that it doesn't stop. Like it keeps on going. Mm. it's the it's it's kind of like pressure as well what like the the benefits of pressure is because because again we're viewed to think like you say becky burley and you think oh national championship florida life must be good she's got a job for life legend there but in reality winning brings brings pressure and expectation self-expectation expectation of others whereas the coach who's coming in two or three hours a day has zero pressure because there's no expectation. Nobody probably cares about the program or anything like that there. Um, so, again, is that is it self-awareness? What what drives Becky? Well, I just think she loves what she, do, what she does. And I think another thing that's different about her is that the players, and I don't know, this is something else that might be a little bit off topic, but one thing that she does is that the players always come first. And I don't think coaches do that enough. I think they 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 always like she always puts the players before herself and there is a true love between her and her players and I've never been around that like coaches say that you know you need to care about your players but I don't think I've ever seen it in the way that I have here and she will she always puts herself last um and and another thing about her as well is like you know at Florida everybody's winning national championships baseball uh gymnastics tennis volleyball like they're they're all very successful sports so that also hasn't adds another pressure right um but one thing that i love about florida is you know their um their motto is a championship experience with integrity and i was sitting in a conversation with the ad and there was like all the assistant coaches were in there and he was he we had like little round table discussions and one thing that he said is that florida is different because it always it values the student athlete experience over winning, and I thought that was pretty unique for a place like this, where you'd think that winning is everything, mm-hmm. but it, it's not. It's about student athlete experience, and I think that's what Beck that what's that's what differs Becky from everybody else is that she always puts the players above herself, and there is I, I can honestly say this there is like a true love for her players, and I haven't seen that, and I feel like that should be something in coaching uh, that should be a no-brainer but I don't think in the in the club world especially or in the college world that I had experienced as a player or a coach that that was the mentality and that's what I want that's what I want for me when I eventually run my own program whatever program I'm fortunate enough to become an assistant and hopefully in the future is that I want to be around a program where the players come first and the players always matter even if they don't know it mm. um, but there's a true love for them does that make sense yeah, I mean it's it's a lot of a lot of college pro co- uh, colleges are saying in their athletic departments, aren't they? Like the, the experience matters a lot, but I think it's almost like parenting, where it's two people can have two definitions. You know, of one parent might might have lots of money and buy 
their their little boy or little girl everything they want and thinking that they're giving them love when in reality they're probably setting them up for failure down the road whereas another parent may be a little bit more aware of the challenges that person has to get through so I am guessing that it's not Becky giving the players X, Y, and Z every day um, and spoiling them. It's There's a little bit of tough love and a little bit of adversity in there as well. Oh, definitely. No, for sure. Like you said, it's not all, it's not, it's not about that at all. Like it, there's different le- le- lessons that go into that. Um, and whether it's, you know, just showing something before training, um, like a video or something that she wants to get across, but she, she always does a great job at, explaining why she's doing what she's doing to try and get the players to understand. But yeah, there's a lot of tough love that goes in there. I mean, there's there's various um, examples that I can think of. But ev- another thing too is every year is different. I mean, she's been there 23 years and there was things that things that came up last season that she'd never exper- experienced before. And I was kind of like, wow, like, I mean, this is kind of a first for her and I'm getting to see it firsthand of how she deals with it. But there's definitely a lot of true love, uh, sorry, a lot of um, tough, love. tough love that goes on for sure. Mm. That was the, that was the biggest thing for my. I don't think I've done it. I did it as a college coach, or I've done it as a coach to a high level. But that was something that my coach above the soccer in college, he got them. He got the balance right between, you know, giving you what you needed, almost the necessities for being an athlete. But he also got, you know, he used he used everything as conditions that you would have to. You know, if you couldn't get through them, then you would then be said be told that you know how how are you going to deal with x y and z in the workplace when you're 25 to, to, to 30 years of age exactly uh, so it's almost a i suppose it's a long-term view of you know we talk about development and, and it's it's very much an overused word along with culture these days but we we talk about it without thinking about what that player is going to be in 10 to 15 we talk about development almost as development whenever they're with us when reality like real development is whenever we fled the scene long time ago isn't it so like these players you know what? Let me let me ask you that then. What's you know Becky? I would imagine still has relationships with these players when they leave. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm I'm laughing because everybody comes back to Florida. I mean, everybody. Mm. I mean, every game we've got somebody that played for Becky. You know, at the game or at her house or. I mean, it, honestly, like that's the biggest thing. I think you know she gets invited to all her weddings and. They just come and stop by and stay at her house, and it's just it's it's just a nice environment to be in. Where, and I think that's probably where you measure it, right? Is people coming back, mm-hmm. and not just players that have played within the last like two or three years. I'm talking about players that played like in 1998 to 2001. You know what I mean? Like I'm talking about players that go way back, and there's always somebody new that she's introducing everybody to. And one thing that she does make them do is every time somebody comes back, she'll make that person come talk to the team and just talk about their experiences while they're at Florida. Brilliant, brilliant. I bet the players love that. <laughs> yeah, they do. There's always some funny stories that go on. I'm sure you can imagine. Oh, I can imagine. I can imagine. All right, uh, last question for you. So a coach who is, we'll do two different coaches. The coach who is 18 years of age um, is just kind of deciding to move into coaching, um, you know, is, is just being aware of the, the challenges and the sacrifices you know, what, what advice would you give them to prepare them for the sacrifices in the game as they get older? Get ready to grind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think if you're 18 and you want to be a coach, I think you've, especially like I'm saying now, like just from my experiences, I think you've got to do anything and everything to make yourself valuable. And I mentioned this in a different podcast, but 
I emailed Anson Durant when I was probably 20 and I asked him, I said, hey, like, what do you think I need to do as a coach in order um, to be successful? And he said, wherever you go, you've got to make yourself indispensable, whether that's moving pawns, doing laundry, whatever, like you've got to, you've got to work your way in. So I think for me, it's like you just do whatever you can to be valuable. And for me, I'm still doing that. Like, I'm, it's not all, it's not all, uh, it's not easy. So I would just say to people that you've got to invest in yourself too and like we said that's not just financial by going and getting your licenses but it's professional development going and learning from different coaches networking um having people that are going to fight in your corner for you when you do actually get to to the point when your career where you are looking for something more permanent brilliant just off off topic anson dorrance did the same thing emailed him when i was 25 and he must get thousands of these emails because everyone that i speak to have that has sent them a message he's responded to which yeah i think is pretty cool very good uh, and then the last question so coach at a different stage of their career maybe you know mid 30s 40s 50s whatever it is and it's just going through a little bit of a rut right now but it's it's settled with their family so the moving and and trying a new adventure is is out of the question what advice would you give that coach to try and step outside their comfort zone and maybe do something a little different i would it depends what their depends what their aspirations were, but for me, I would be creative. Um, I'd be creative in terms of where they would want to. It's hard for me because I don't even have kids. I can't imagine being forty. Um, <laughs> um, I would say that they just have to be creative and decide what's really important. I mean, obviously, family is obviously number one, right? It should mm-hmm. be. Um, but I think if if you want something and you're it's in the area that you live, why not go get it? Um, and your family, like, I feel like your family should always be there to support you no matter what. I think it's easier if something's within grasp, within range, um, to go out and gra- grab it. Like, your, I mean, your family should always support you. Sorry, that's kind of a bad answer. I don't really know. <laughs> no, no, it's good. It's good. Um, it's you'll almost like... You'll have to do a lot of it. <laughs> no, no, I won't doubt that at all. Hey, um, no, that's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Sarah, thanks so much for joining me and uh, I really appreciate your insight. This has been fantastic. No problem. Thanks for having and, us. Uh, I'll, I'll try and get down to Florida at some stage now. You've, uh, you've got me set on my to-do list. <laughs> no, for sure. You're welcome anytime. Brilliant. Sarah, thank you. Thank you. No problem. Thank you so much to Sarah for her time, her insight and, of course, her honesty in her journey and what she's going through and what she's learning and and taking the time to share that with everyone is is what the Modern Soccer Coach podcasts are really about, uh, is to give you an inside look on coaching. And as well, I said to Sarah afterwards, you know, I didn't mean to pass to her about all the Becky Burley questions, but I find that whenever, you know, you can get access to Becky, you can get access to Anson, Pep, Jose, all these people, you can get access to them on, on YouTube to a certain extent of interviews and press conferences. But the real insight for me the real value is people who have worked alongside them and what they draw from them because I find that is where those people are at their best they are they are unbelievable coaches because of their impact on players and staff their impact on staff is unbelievable so I really wanted to to see how Becky uh, was impacting a young coach like Sarah and I was I was expecting it to be to be really really powerful and it was so for me that was really enjoyable that's what I want to be as a coach in the next 5 10 15 years I want to with 
the modern soccer coach and with my journey I want to help other coaches get better and give something back to the game so the best way to do that is to develop better players and to develop better coaches and and that was really really great to hear about Becky's influence there um, so on the subject of sacrifice again a little reflection for myself you know I said during my sacrifice has changed just as I've got older um, when I was younger and I started coaching my sacrifice was as a GA there was a financial end of it I'll be honest the financial side of it didn't matter to me um, I was quite happy I wasn't I didn't have a big house or, or mortgage payments I was probably more financial freedom making uh, $400 a month at Wingate University than I have uh, that I have now but Whenever I was younger, I had to give up a lot of social things. I had to stay as a, on campus, and, and I give up at 24 through 28, probably in my life, I give up a lot of nights out and, and time spent on the road recruiting, time spent trying to better myself as a coach, long nights watching video, all that stuff that, that coaches have done. And then as I've got older, it changes. So like I look now at what the sacrifices are, and I think probably in recent years I've sacrificed... I don't look at time now as sacrifice because I, I just love what I do. I love driving into work at the mo- in the mornings. Um, I haven't seen my wife and my son for three or four weeks, but the energy I get from getting on to in Chicago and getting to where I want to work at is just, it, it makes me so happy. So that's to me, that's not a sacrifice. That's what I want to do. And I, I, I love my wife for supporting me and our family to do it. But the sacrifice that I've made in recent years has probably been um, sacrificing my principles and almost in, in my style of coaching. And that's something as a, a probably in the past two years of what I've done. Um, you know, when I when I look and I look at the body of work as a college coach and I've you know, I kind of reflect on what I could have done better. It would probably be I've I've sacrificed certain principles, you know, on Friday nights I've had I've had words with the team because I thought that was the message to send for a game on Sunday when I said things maybe I didn't believe. I thought we played well, but I couldn't tell the team that because I wanted them to be to be motivated for for a game on a Sunday afternoon. And I felt that if positive reinforcement would go against that there. So I suppose what I'm saying is I've I've sacrificed my my viewpoint for motivation. And I want to get away from that there. I want to, I don't want to look as motivation as in reward, happiness or sadness. I want to be more authentic with how I'm communicating to teams. So I, I want to, I want to believe a hundred percent of what I say. And I want my players to believe that as well. So, um, that will continue. That will continue. And that's my, my journey as a coach. Uh, that's where I'm at at the minute. But I would I would say that it's a good thing for yourself again if you're a, if you're a writer like I am to write stuff down and and to to try and reflect on that there and maybe pass it on to others maybe as if you're a head coach or if you've got a staff to sit around and have a coffee and and discuss what sacrifices people are making because they might interpret them differently some people might interpret spending time away from their family as the ultimate sacrifice and some people might say you know I'm making x amount of dollars here and and this is really difficult for my family so maybe it might draw staffs together or draw people together and, and it is a relationship business so that might help so uh, but again thank you so much to sarah if you've anything to contribute to it please 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 feel free to shoot me an email gary at modern soccer 
uh, Twitter at Gary Kernin, Facebook Coach Kernin, um, and of course, if you could give the the podcast a rating, uh, that would be unbelievable. Just keep keep spreading the word of it. A little tweet means a lot. So I I appreciate you you tuning in. I appreciate you listening. Uh, and I'll always appreciate the support. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Thank you for listening to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. For more coaching topics, sessions, and resources, head on over to Coach Kernine on Facebook or visit the website at www.modernsoccercoach.com.